What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. You know that feeling when you need to get somewhere in a hurry and instead of hitting every single red light on the way and feeling like all the universe is conspiring against you, you hit every single green light. It's like you can't be stopped. You're driving and it's just perfect timing. You're able to thread a needle and make a left turn across traffic and you arrive where you need to be five minutes early, even though you left 15 minutes late. It happens. I know what's happened to you, and it's happening to me right now. I'm enjoying life to the maximum, really experiencing a great deal of success without a whole ton of energy. And I know that life goes in ebbs and flows. I'm also not trying to rhyme, but sometimes you do. There's going to be more information forthcoming that will fill in some of the details. I'm intentionally going to be just a little bit cryptic right now about all the things that are going well, but I want you to keep your ears open. I have a new ad running in today's podcast, and it is an ad for a thing that I am beginning. If you want to join, make sure you listen closely to the ad. There's going to be a link in the show notes. I have some amazing people that I am partnering with to make this a reality. And like I said, resistance has been minimal. Excitement has been maximal. This is going to be big. So I'm inviting you to get your feet in the door quickly. All right. I don't have much else to say. The guest on today's show was one of those serendipitous kind of things where you think, hey, I am trying very hard to listen and something is speaking loudly. I don't know how this happened, folks. I just don't know how it happened, but my very first guest off of my last call for guests happens to be somebody who writes books on the law of attraction. I didn't make that happen. I didn't ask specifically for somebody like that. So if you've been enjoying the theme of the episodes lately, you're gonna enjoy today's show, 
And if you're looking for a change of pace, well, good news. Starting Monday, we're going to be moving in a new direction. I think that we have covered the law of attraction. If you like it, there are podcasts that are even better than mine talking about how to embrace all of the abundance in life for yourself when you are doing what you are specifically here to do. It's a really cool thing. There's great podcasts. I've mentioned many of them. Go check them out, find them, listen to them, enjoy them. We're going to be talking about some awesome new topics and getting your books in front of new readers starting Monday. So look at this as kind of a close to a chapter. I may revisit it again in time because, you know, all things TRBM and TRBM ammo is what's going on for me right now in the moment. At any rate, my guest on today's episode is... Pamela Heath, known as the Yes Coach. Please enjoy my conversation with Pamela Heath. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. San Francisco is a great city. I I almost uh, killed a bicyclist when my wife and I were there. It was an accident. They have so... It, we were going to a, a restaurant that had great breakfast, or we'd read that it had really fantastic breakfast. And there are bike lanes between the road and then the street parking. And I mean, it just, there's so much traffic and things happening. I thought I checked everything, but there was a bicyclist who came up. And I mean, I had to have missed his back tire by uh, centimeters, it seemed like, maybe inches at the at the most Um he just was right past me and I almost clipped him. And it was, it was really scary. And I, I thought I probably will never drive in San Francisco again. <laughs> Look at you. Wow. Yeah. I love, I love living in this area. I was born and raised here. And then I left to go to college and I lived in Southern California and I never left. Mm. And um, I lived there. I got married. I raised children, lived my whole life there. And then in June of this year, I moved back to okay. the San Francisco Bay Area. So I haven't been here since I graduated high school. Oh, wow. Okay. So you enjoy yeah. being back then? Yeah, kind of, sort of. It The, kinda, the pandemic hit the San Francisco Bay Area pretty hard. A lot of homeless, a lot of closed businesses. It's not the paradise it was when I was growing up. Yeah. I've heard that that the, the homelessness in San Francisco has just been really on the increase for quite a long time, though, that there are not necessarily any kind of laws that are, are really... Um, discouraging it or or helping to fix it necessarily. I don't know what's true. I, I hear information from lots of different people and lots of different resources. And so it's hard to know without being there what's what's really true on the ground. Well, one of the things I can tell you, because I've, you know, been hooking up with different people from my past and they've been filling me in, is that in, you know, Southern California, there are there are so many programs and so many things that they do because they had such a homeless problem that they're managing it. This problem was brought on specifically by the pandemic and Mm. San Francisco wasn't prepared for this level of homelessness at once, all at once, you know, so they're, they just haven't caught up to what it's going to take. You're going to have to take money, 
put it aside, get programs mm-hmm. going, get people. There are some people that are on the street that are just there because they lost everything. Yeah. And if you give them a helping hand, as they found in Southern California, a lot of them will, will do okay. Mm. You know, so they're just yeah. behind. They're, it, it all happened at once and they just weren't prepared. But the unfortunate thing is, is that they're slow right now in the opinion of the people who live here locally. They're slow to do something about it. Yeah. I can tell you that I had culture shock um, because I was riding the BART, which I remember fondly because I was living here when they built it. Yeah. And um, I'm astounded by the state of the BART stations. They're just like mm. filthy, oh. horrible. The bathrooms are, yeah. are like from a Ridley Scott science fiction movie. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, not great, but, you know, uh, great description, I should say. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I honeymooned in, in New York City. And in many ways, that was a mistake because, <laughs> the, uh, you know, you just don't like when, when you honeymoon, you want to be focused on each other. And I think that there was so much stimulation. We were we were up and at them a lot of mornings by six o'clock in the morning. We hit the streets, we'd grab a coffee and some like croissant or bagel or something and literally just walk the city and look at all of the buildings and and i mean we we must have walked a, a thousand miles in the the six or seven days that we were there um but I, I remember thinking wow the subway is so welcoming and friendly and clean and i feel like utterly safe no matter where we were i was just really impressed i i assume that new york is probably still similar but i've heard that in the the 80s and 90s that the subway was more like what you're talking about uh the bart is now where it didn't feel terribly safe and it was uh, a fairly you know frightening experience so um yeah public transit done well awesome public transit <laughs> not done well frightening <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh okay so talk to me a little bit about uh you call yourself the yes coach uh for listeners what do you do? Um, and yeah, give me, I guess, kind of your concise pitch. So essentially, I, I'm i a coach. I'm a, a certified life coach, business coach, and a, a branding expert. And what I do is I coach from a positive mindset and I teach people to say yes. And people are unclear um, how much they say no. Mm. And so I posit that anything in, in life is possible because life is very, very energetic. There's this spirituality to living mm-hmm. life. If you tap into that spirituality, I call it the energy of yes. So I mm-hmm. teach people to tap into yes and miraculous things happen. And my nickname is the magic lady because when I talk to my clients, my clients tell me what they want out of life. And I say, you're going to get that. Like the GPS on your phone, you tell it where you want to go and it tells you how to get there. That's me. Yes, coach. Yeah. So listeners will not really believe that that you're on the podcast right at this moment, um, that uh, just by happenstance and chance. Um, so I'm not going to bore them with the long story, but I had my friend John come out here. It seems like about two months ago, if I have my timeline correct. Um, his his new girlfriend at the time had suggested to me that I was really struggling to sell books because uh, I didn't really believe that I deserved to sell books. Um, and so 
after uh, the, the the following day, uh, I thought, you know, I need to look up the the uh, law of attraction. And the only book that I knew that really talked about it was The Secret. Um, and so from that point forward, I've really started to change and shift my life so that I'm, I'm, I've dived so deep into it. I think I've read 20, 25 books on the law of attraction now, gone down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes and it's profoundly changed my life. Uh, and, and so you're on the podcast because you're part of the ammo program. And I put out a post the other day, just saying, I'm looking for people. I didn't put any stipulations on who I was looking for just to have conversations about selling books. And you're the first person that, that reached out and said, I'd like to be on the podcast. That's all we know each other. And I want to make that really clear for anybody who's listening, because it's interesting that you're focusing on something. I don't know if you'd call it the law of attraction, but certainly that has a lot of the same principles that when you put your mind on something you attract it to you as well as you direct your life to go toward it. Um, am I representing that all correctly? Yes, that was a perfect recreation. You get an A. <laughs> I am a, a law of attraction teacher and I teach the law of attraction inside my modality, which is the energy of yes. Okay. Um, before we get into the energy of yes, I want to go a place that could theoretically be a little bit uncomfortable, but this is this is my current kind of rumination that I've been thinking about. One, if I have any criticisms of the secret um, and this process is that a lot of people who teach it are benefiting by teaching it, but the people that they interview often are other people who are teaching it. So every single person that's interviewed in the secret, the, the, the movie or in the book, um, all of those people are ultimately other teachers who are teaching the law of attraction. And I thought it would be really cool to see somebody who achieved something different, like became a football player or a, a physician or an astronaut through the law of attraction. Do you ever, do you think about that? And like, I guess I want to just open the door for you to respond to that. Cause I've been wondering like, where are the people who don't teach this and don't profit from it, who really embrace it? So I understand what you're saying. And yeah. um, I teach the law of attraction kind of differently than it is in okay. the secret. So you've read a lot of books on the law of attractions and having read many, you see that different people have different takes on how yeah. they take that, you know, philosophy and deliver it in their modality. And I'm the same. Yeah. I created the context of the science. I call it the science of yes. Mm -hmm. When I hit, the wall in my life and started having some very tragic circumstances that kind of stripped me bare. So I have a zero hero story. Mm. And um, part of it had to do with, I was doing really well. I was a legal administrator in a law firm, big mm. time managing everything liaison with all the departments. I started as a lowly legal secretary and raised up over seven years. I was at that firm for 17 years. By the time I left that firm. I was in charge of everything. Successful, married, children, the works, yeah. everything you can imagine. And then um, my eldest child, my daughter, committed suicide. I'm very sorry. Out of left field. I wasn't expected. I didn't know she was in pain. And the guilt, the upset, because there's different. You can lose a child and that breaks your heart. But to lose a child to suicide as a parent, where I went with that is something's wrong with me that my child took her own life. And I became depressed. I stopped going to work. They fired me. I lost my home. My husband died. And I ended up living in the street. 
I was homeless, oh, living in the street, and there I was. And then something happened that catapulted me into an entrepreneur called the Yes Coast. Calling all self-published authors. If you live in the United States and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores, this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023. Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick and mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. For just $3, you'll receive a lifetime membership to the self-published author co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the self-published author co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now. And what happened was I was living in my son's car because my car got repossessed. So I had to live in my son's car and somebody attacked me on the street. They had been watching me and saw that I was out there. And he approached one day when I was rummaging around in the car with my back to the street. And he came up behind me, grabbed me and threw me to the ground. And he was going to have his way with me. And in that moment, I had an epiphany, which I didn't know. I didn't know. After all the things that had happened, I thought I wanted to die. And in that moment, when that guy threw me to the ground, I realized I want to live. Yeah. And it happened instantly, intuitively. I leaped up mm. and started hitting and pulling and scratching and screaming. And I startled him and knocked him to the ground. I saw the look on his face. He wasn't expecting that level of fight. And while he laid there, I jumped in the car, locked the door and called the police and he ran away. Wow. And then I had the second epiphany that launched me into my new career. And that epiphany was, I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah. I made a phone call and this is what I said, utilizing the law of attraction. I called a friend of mine that I knew owned a business and had a team. And I asked him how things were. And I said to him, what it would be like for you if I came to your company and inspired and empowered your team to be the most productive they've ever been, mm. to be concerned about the bottom line that your company represents, mm. and to show up to work ready and eager to work every day, what would that be like for you? Mm. And he said, hell to the yes, get your ass in mm. here and do exactly <laughs> what you just said. And mm. I had no idea how to do that. Mm. I just said that got in the door and three months later, his team was empowered, producing three times what they had ever produced before. He told his friends, other people hired me and the yes coach was born. Wow. How I use the law of attraction is a, that this is the thing that's missing for many people who teach the law of attraction, which is why you're left puzzled with how come all these people are bragging about the law of attraction, but you never, never hear about the truck driver or the, you know, the stay at home mm -hmm. mom who's using the law of detraction because it's with the universal law. It applies yeah. to everyone. And here's the thing. It's not about some Buddhist mantra that you say and think and things magically appear. Mm -hmm. You have to focus your intention on what you are wanting, what you're trying to achieve as if it's a done deal. Right. 
as if it is there and you take the actions correlate with you having that thing. In other words, if you want a new boyfriend, okay, you say mm-hmm. you want a new, I get this all the time. Yeah. You say you want a new boyfriend. Okay. So you can't stay at home with your hair and rollers, you know, with your house a mess and say you want a new boyfriend. Who would you invite to this house to come see you? Your mm-hmm. actions are not correlate with what you say you want. Yeah. Your actions have to be correlate. So me calling that guy and saying, mm-hmm. this is what I can do was the pathway for me going there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I said I would. Right. People only speak what they think they can do. Mm-hmm. You have to speak what you say you can do and then take the action correlate with that. And that's how I teach it. And that's why people win around me. Yeah. Uh, so again, I want, I want to make it abundantly clear. All I've really been doing podcast episodes on in the last couple of months is the law of attraction and how much it has changed uh, my life. I just aired this past uh, Wednesday. So yesterday actually it aired uh, my interview with Dr. Sheena Howard. And we we were just talking about the law of attraction, laughing about it, having a great time. And, um, and so in the way that I'm going to ask some of these questions, I'm really playing the devil's advocate. I guess I am asking somewhat from my own experience, areas where I have hangups. So for example, I hear what you're saying and I agree with you. And so uh, in my own life, I thought one of the things that's not happening for me that I believe is my destiny is to sell more paperbacks. I have a real strong uh, affection for paperback books. And so I started thinking, what am I doing? I'm getting in my way. I don't think that these books are great. So I'm really trying to re shift my focus on loving the books and feeling good about them, feeling good about holding a copy in my hand and then envisioning myself having sold paperback books. So I'm I'm going into visualization of sitting at a table at a bookstore, for example, and signing books. And there's a giant line of people waiting for me to sign the books. And I also thought, okay, this, this action thing is really important. And if I really want to sell a lot of books, I'm probably going to need some kind of label printer so that I can print off my own shipping labels and be super efficient. I'm probably going to need envelopes to ship these books. And I shouldn't wait until I've sold the books. I should already, I should act like it's already happened. And so I, I bought the label printer, you know, I, I bought all of the envelopes. I got ready to go. And it really didn't change a lot the way that I was selling paperbacks. And part of me is like, I can hear the devil's advocate for what I'm saying right now saying, well, you must not really believe. And I, I think that my big question comes in when when I'm not really sure how to, to believe if I don't really believe, because I feel like I really believe. I feel like I get into those places. I take the time to to meditate and to get really focused on what I believe I have. I think I'm phrasing the things the right way, but then I'm like, it's not, it's not like a magic spell necessarily. It's really about your heart and your energy. So I'm curious for, for me or someone like me, what would you say? What, what's, what's going on? Where's the blockage? So when you talk about belief and faith, it's very important that you, you, you operate like it's a done deal and you can't help your subconscious when your subconscious doubts. So the way Mm -hmm. that I train my clients it's kind of like when you go in a restaurant, okay? And you um, you talked about your honeymoon. I'm sure you guys went to many restaurants. And, yeah. you know, when you go in the restaurant, you sit down, they give you a menu and you don't look at the menu and then look up at the waiter and go, okay, so don't serve me pancakes mm-hmm. and don't serve me eggs. I'm allergic. And I see that you also make tortillas. I don't eat tortillas. You don't do mm-hmm. that, right? Because yeah. that will be focusing on what you don't want. 
And you also don't order your food and then follow the waiter into the kitchen to -hmm. make sure they're making your food right. You trust that I gave the order. It's going to come to me. And if it doesn't, you're questioning, okay, what happened? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if you're sitting there for 45 minutes and you're watching people that came in after you getting their meals, but your meal's not on the table yet? Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to call the waiter over and go, where's my stuff? Mm -hmm. So I teach people there's a moment in time where you have to operate like, where's my stuff versus is mm. it really going to happen? Did I do it right? And mm. am I going to make, you don't sit in that restaurant and go, maybe I ordered it wrong. You sit and like, where's my stuff? Okay. I like that. I mean, I, I, I understand the the different like disposition. What, what, what's, um, how do I do that? How do I do that practically in this situation? Let's just stick with it. Here's because how it's I real- do it. Yeah. This is a good line of questioning. You you stepped into my to my realm. This is what I do. Here's the thing. This is what I do. Okay. I talk to God. We can have conversations about the universe, God, Buddha. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you allege with. There's a higher power. And you can actually say what's missing. Mm-hmm. Where's and, missing? and hear what's the feedback missing? or get an intuition or an instinct of, exactly. of what that it's feedback like, is. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's perfect that you said that because I also train people how to look for the answer because God doesn't have WhatsApp. Mm. You ask a question, he's not going to text you. So you yeah. have to be open to receive his answer in however yeah. form it comes. And I promise you, this I can tell you emphatically. If you don't believe in anything I say, believe this. He always answers prayers. Mm. Always. So if you're not receiving it, there's something missing. There's something off. All you have to do is say, where's my stuff? Yeah. And I even add, because um, the people who mentored me, one of them taught me this. I even add and make sure that your response is easy for me to interpret. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, I, I I completely understand that, too, because I think I think that um, there's a humility in doing that. Um, which bridges into, I don't know how I'm going to structure this conversation. One of the things I'm I'm weak at at this point in my life is having linear conversations. So we'll do a lot of like wrapping around and moving different places. I'm I'm curious in terms of desperation. I think that that's another really big piece of this that I know hinders. Um, and so I want to talk about desperation. And I also want to talk about uh, what's I'm looking for the term being aligned with your actual sense of morality and ethics. So it is my current belief that in order to manifest the good things in our lives, we have to be aligned with our morality and our ethics. In my last conversation with Dr. Howard, I said, you know, Hitler was a really good manifester. He was in line with his own morals and ethics. His morals and ethics were awful, (laughs) but he was really good because he did not defy what he believed he could create. He was in perfect alignment with his view of the yes. world. And so I think I have noticed at different moments, one of the things that that I quit doing is, is drinking. I don't have a particular issue with drinking. I'm not even sure I would consider myself an alcoholic, but I noticed when I was drinking that something was going on in my heart where I felt disappointed in me. And so as I'm trying to manifest something, then there's just this part of me that's like, hey, buddy, you're not living in alignment with what you know is the right thing to do right now. And I think that that was like a ball and chain. Do you see those things kind of happening um, with people you work with? Do you, do you touch on those subjects? Absolutely. The The point of the matter is, is that when you talk about desperation, because that's the biggest obstacle yeah. when people yes. are manifesting, 
is that they're they're actually urgently needing this thing, and when it's not happening, they're afraid. And yes. we're, what we're addressing here is fear. Yes. And fear is an interesting concept because we base our relationship and our emotions to the fear in our body sensations. That's just what human beings do. If our body sensation is telling us we're afraid, we immediately drop into fear. So one of the things that I teach people is appropriate fear and fanciful fear. And appropriate okay. fear is like if you have a big black bear chasing you in the middle of the woods, you should be afraid. Yeah. You should run very fast and you should right. try everything in your power to get away because that's something to fear. Yes. There's a lot of things like that, that you would appropriately should be afraid. Yes. Everything else, like, should I talk to that guy? Is that woman going to say yes to me? And there's mm. fear. That's not real fear. Yeah. That concern is a body sensation to which you've given a label to. Yeah. And you, you have the power to label that body sensation anything you want. Mm. And utilizing the law of attraction, once you label it and take the actions correlate to that label, yeah. you can manifest in the face of it. Mm. So the distinguishing of fear, this is critical because what you're bringing up is the access to power around the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. Because your fear can block your power just like a wall. Yeah. And what I teach people, the law of attraction turns brick walls into peanut butter. Mm, so like they're tangible and you can push through them, but only when you're willing to be open to receive that you're not afraid. Fear doesn't use you. Fear mm. is useful when it's supposed to be yeah. there, but it does you no good when all you're trying to do is get a date. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I walk my dog in the mornings. So get up at, at just before six o'clock and usually out on the, the street right around six o'clock. And um, there's this one part of the walk. If I take a certain route, there's this abandoned garage and it's really eerie. And I, I've always had this sense, like something, something not great has happened inside of that garage. I get this really, uh, I've had this kind of visceral feeling that something happened there. Uh, and one morning I was walking and I was doing my affirmations and, and it just came to me. I was like, I'm really, I'm really grateful and thankful uh, for this sense of fear. Like there's something like when, when you're talking about the appropriate fear, I'm grateful for that. I like that my mind becomes alert to, oh, there is a danger here. And I also, I enjoy that feeling if I'm reading a scary book, if I want to read a horror novel, I like that appropriate fear. I think there's something really great there. Um, so it's, I like that you bring up the idea that that some fear is good and should have it. Um, the most applicable way that I drop into fear and desperation is two weekends ago, we were at the pumpkin patch with my kiddos and I hadn't gotten a book sale. It's Sunday and it's like 4 PM and I'm spending $101 a day on ads and I don't have a book sale. And I am really starting to freak out. I'm like, and, and the, the worse it is, the more I keep checking my email and there's nothing and there's nothing. And that desperation just really started to leach out and it ruined my day and I couldn't get out of it. Oh man. And I still struggle with that a little bit. I think not, not that specific day, but, but when things aren't happening immediately for me, it's really easy to drop into that sense of, uh, well, all of this manifestation stuff is BS and, uh, you know, it, it whatever, it doesn't work. And yeah, you know, <laughs> I feel you. It's kind of like this. Um, there are times when you're driving. And um, somebody does something really bonehead, like they cut you off or they yeah. drift into your lane and you have to adjust quickly and you feel yeah. like shaking your fist at them. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have this anger that makes you want to 
run him down. You know, it's like you yeah. go, but you never act on that. It's a thought. Mm-hmm. It's momentary. And you actually think to yourself, well, oh, I'd like to, but yeah. you don't. You would never. But right. just because you have the thought doesn't make you evil. Yeah. So Interestingly, we, though, it did remind me. Sorry, sorry. I, I just wanted to get this out there. There's a part in the Bible where Jesus says, if you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder. I'm kind of curious if that's part of what he was talking about is like the power of your thought is such that that hate in your heart is equivalent to committing murder, even though you're not going to be charged by the law. This really honestly is just right off the top of my head. I need to think on it more, but go ahead. Yes, sorry. it's true. Having hate in your heart is comparable to being a person who murders but if you don't yeah. murder somebody if all you told right is, right yes. you're not a murderer right so what that i say in my humble opinion what that proverb is trying to get you to understand is that you have to be in control mm-hmm. of what's going on in your heart right you don't act on it's like right. i told you, you only act on the actions that are correlate with what you're manifesting mm-hmm so if this murder will, will be correlate with that, then, you know, have Adam with an ax. But I <laughs> doubt it yeah. because there are consequences to murder, one of mm-hmm. which is you're going to go to jail if they catch you. Yeah. You know, and so that I assert that when you have these thoughts, when you have these momentary lapses, you're not judged in that moment for that thought. Yeah. You yeah. Have, yeah. I, I think you I, have I, the power to dismiss that thought, just like you do in the car yes. when some asshole right cuts you off and you shake your fist and then move right mm-hmm. along and you don't follow them home. You don't stalk them and write nasty letters. Right. You might want to, but you don't because it's not who you are. It's not your nature. It doesn't fit with your, you know, personality or your identity. Yeah. And it's, it's momentary lapses and thoughts and, and distrust are, are normal. Mm-hmm. It's how long you wallow in them that makes, you know, manifesting mm-hmm. hard. Because, you know, it's kind of like a fart. I hate to say this. People tease me because I use this analogy all the time. But it communicates. When you're in a public room and there's people around and you have to fart, you don't let go. You hold on to it somehow. <laughs> Just you don't do it. Because, you know, if you did it, especially if it's loud, people will know you did it. And they'll be like, bro, what the yeah. hell are you up to? And yeah. so out of embarrassment or whatever you hold on to it but it's the same thing with your disempowering thoughts it's a Mm. fart yeah let's not share it publicly yeah well look we're both we're both uh apparently thinking in terms of uh potty analogies and and i was actually uh, again on a dog walk i do some of my best thinking on my dog walks but i was out the other day and i was thinking about that phrase what you resist persists um and i really thought a lot about and i did i actually was i was kind of talking to myself as if i was giving a, a solo podcast and thinking about when you have that urge at first it's just kind of an urge and you're like, oh, I can hold it. I can hold it. But then the longer you hold it, the harder it gets to hold until you build up so much pressure that then you have a whoops, I cracked myself moment if you don't address it <laughs> exactly. in a different way. And um, as you say, it happens sometimes. You're not able to control if it happens. You can't just yeah. pretend <laughs> right, you nothing. didn't do it. It's like, wow, yeah. I wonder who did that. Did you smell yeah. that? It's like you have to then be responsible for the consequences of what you did. Oh, pardon yeah. me. I yeah, just exactly. my pants. You have a great capone. You know, it's like <laughs> right. You just, you just gotta Yeah. In other words, you can't step over or hide from or pretend that that happened. It's the same yeah. thing with what you're manifesting. 
the the relationship I want you to start to develop is your relationship to your higher power. If it's God, great. I have the same relationship to God. But if it's not God, if it's the universe, if it's Buddha, yeah. if it's whoever it is for you, that's your relationship to that being that will give you access to power when you stumble in your yeah. commitment to the law. I've been thinking a lot about this. And so it's something that I want to talk about on the podcast since we just continue to come back to this topic. Um, I'm honestly, I'm not 100% sure what exactly my higher power is. I'm most comfortable because historically I grew up in the Christian church of thinking of God, but it's become a little more amorphous for me. Um, I'm still actually really uncomfortable with like the whole dear God thing. If I pray, my prayers are very different. Um, But for anybody who's uncomfortable with religion, I think that awareness is probably the safest, most authentic, most inescapable higher power to have um, because awareness is something that we all share and that we cannot understand or comprehend that is far bigger than any of us. Um, and and so I, I think you know these things. I'm not telling you anything you don't, but for the listeners, the way that you define awareness is uh, who's doing the thinking. If I say, am I aware? Yes, I am aware. I can't answer that question unless there is an awareness that is aware that I am thinking. Um, and so that's why I really like that as a higher power for people who are resistant to this idea. They're like, I don't, I don't believe God. I'm an atheist or whatever it might be. Awareness is a great higher power to pick and to just realize like I'm self-conscious, but I'm also aware of being self-conscious. And that's a level above um, that's just mystifying when you think about it. Okay. Well, I, I can honor that opinion. We disagree okay. in that arena, but I honor your opinion because it does being self-aware is one of the most important things that you must have in order to become a, a master at manifestation. Yeah. But feel, however, feel free to lean into it. Why do you disagree? Because I believe that there is something outside of yourself that you can <laughs> lean on like a parent when you yeah. were a kid, you leaned on your parent, even though you knew the day would come when you'd be in. They are always an your authority figure. That's your mother. Right. That's your father. And there's never a moment. There used to be when I was young, a commercial where this little kid, um, about six, seven years old, came dressed in grown up clothes, came to the father and says, may I have the key to the car? And he looks up and he's seeing a 12 year old. But when the camera pans, the, the kid's about 20. But the parent in their vision, you're always a child. And in your yeah. vision, they're always your parent, no matter how big you get. And God is your parent. Mm. It's outside of you. And yeah. the, the thing that you, you mentioned religion, and I'm going to address the religion thing because I have nothing but compassion for people who are disappointed in religion. Yeah. You have many facets of religion where people, you know, are abusive and, and, doing terrible things to children with the the mantle of you know religion protecting them from retribution mm -hmm. and justice there is people who become wealthy millionaires by passing the plate so that their parishioners right. are paying for their lifestyle yeah there's been many things over the over the centuries of religion that's let people down and make them believe that organized religion is actually a bad thing I, I can understand that and I can relate to that big time. You have a right to be disappointed and confused about should I just be on my own and not connected to religion and just make up my own thing. 
I don't blame you if you do, as long as you're connected to something outside of yourself. Yeah. So, and that's, I guess, one thing that I want to say is when I talk about awareness, I do believe that that, that, that's outside of myself. I believe that awareness is something that is like I am that is separate from uh, this body. And I, I would say that awareness is like spirit, but not my spirit, but awareness is spirit. And that's, that's why I make that distinction. Um, yeah, I don't want to go, I don't want to go too like metaphysical with any of this because I don't know that it helps people sell books necessarily. Maybe it does. I think it's helped me sell books, but it's, it's the idea again of who's doing the thinking. Um, I am not my thoughts. I am not my body. Uh, if I cut my ear off, I'm not any less Jody than I was before I had, yes. you know, cut that ear off. Um, if I cut my head off, then my body will stop living, but Jody continues to exist. Um, and Jody exists as an expression of awareness. And so I think of that as being um, when when uh, God says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. I think what he's he's saying essentially is you are you are connected into me. And I am the awareness that is everywhere. When he says uh, to to Moses, I am what I am, he's saying that amness is the the energy. And I don't know other religious traditions very well. So I can't I can't speak to uh that necessarily, but I do know from the little that I've uh, studied Buddhism, that Buddhism is very similar. That it's it ultimately comes back to this idea of that there is like an awareness and that the energy frequency of awareness itself is a thing. Just the reason I really like it is because I I think that there's so much baggage that I would never want somebody to dismiss this power because they disagree with me on the form of God. Well, I don't think that you need to be worried about that. Everybody has their own relationship with God. Yeah. As long as it works, God bless you. Mm hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not running around trying to make people practice religion the way I do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I stopped going to churches. You know, every yeah. church I went to, there was something going on. I went to a yeah. church where the minister, you know, was having an affair with one of the young ladies and divorced his wife and married her and, and got mm-hmm. another girl pregnant. All this stuff was going on. And he kept passing the plate to get donations yeah. so that he could get richer and richer. And I left that church. Yeah. And there's different things that I've encountered where I no longer am connected to organized religion and yet i yeah. still pray and i still read the bible and i still yeah. am attached to this concept of god and i'm a practicing buddhist so mm. i'm not yeah. locked into a religion yeah. like a organization yeah. but i have all the room in the world because you say awareness is your power source it's how you plug in it's how you reach charge then but in your actions want to be correlate with that belief right if you're manifesting, the key is to operate like it's a done deal. This is what's up. This is what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And this is how I'm aligned and have yeah. the boldness and the confidence to believe in that. Just like, you know, I do this with people, especially when I lead workshops. It, ha- it works every time. You're a parent. Yes. I think you mentioned you have kids. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Will your kids ever starve to death? Not so far as I can help it, <laughs> you know. I mean, really, it would take not an so active... far as you can ha- help it. It's yeah. very rare I get that answer. You know what I usually get? What's that? No. Yeah, right. It's what you wanted to say. Um, I asked that question, and what's there for you? Yeah. Are you kidding? No. That's how a parent reacts to that question. Yeah. Regardless of what walked out of your mouth, your body sensation told you, "Are you kidding?" Yeah. No. 
You want to know something? The number one cause of death on the planet Earth for children is starvation. Mm. So if all these kids all over the planet are starving, how can you say that yours won't? Yeah. You know how? Because your speaking is correlate with your commitment that your children be safe. I, I like that idea. And that actually, that that does really influence why I say that. There are, whether I want this to be the you know this way or not, there are things that are outside of my control um, that I simply cannot change. So you notice when that question is asked, none of those things come up first. Um, what comes up first is the commitment and your speaking aligned with that commitment. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you something. That's a muscle. In that arena, that muscle is prime. Hmm. You brush your teeth every day? Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> Just say yes. Okay. Sure. That yeah. was something that you were trained to do. And now it just comes naturally. Yeah, sometimes you wake up and, you know, the water's off. or this, You brush your teeth every day. That's a muscle hmm. that somebody had to teach you when you were very young. You didn't come out of the womb yeah. with a toothbrush in your hand, right? Right, right. <laughs> you hesitated like, oh my God, I had this image. No, no, I actually, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I've got a parallel thought track going at the moment as well. So it, we happen to be walking on the, like the boundary of the area that I have the hardest time with the, the law of attraction and manifestation is, is that like, I really do believe, and maybe this is getting in my way. Maybe this is why I haven't experienced all of the success that I want and all of the the goodness um, is that I believe that there are things that I absolutely cannot control. So I, I like the serenity prayer. God grant me the the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to um, know the difference, or I can't remember exactly how it goes, but basically acknowledging like there are things I can't change and anything that I can change, give me the courage to change those things. And, and that's really where okay. I, I don't know how everything aligns perfectly in this, but it's something I'm trying to integrate into my life right now. Um, I think about the Chilean miners. Uh, who were all trapped underground because of an accident and some of them starved to death. And like, they didn't go down in the mine thinking that they were like, I hope I don't starve today. Like, I don't think any of them were thinking that. And I know someone like Dr. Joe Vitale would say, oh, well, but they were on the frequency of that disaster. And that's the only way they could be there. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm in this, I'm in this well, kind of I don't place think of that anybody knows why did that happen to that person? And it didn't right. happen to this person doing the yeah. same thing. You know, when uh, in November of 2022, I had a heart attack and died and my son found me in the bed. I was gone and he called 911 and the operator sent the ambulance and talked him through resuscitating me and he resuscitated me. Wow. And the ambulance came, brought me to the hospital and I'm laying there and I remember dying and everything. I asked one of the nurses, how come I'm still alive? And she Mm. laughed at me. She laughed. And Mm. she, you know, she's a nurse. She sees patients all the time. And she said to me, this conversation you need to have with God, not with me. I've seen (laughs) people come into the hospital that had half what you went through and they were pushing up daisies. You died and were dead for however long you were dead and your son resuscitated you. Mm. And he has no medical training. He did what the person on the phone told him to do and he brought you back to life. Yeah. So you you can't ask me why. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't I know. Completely so asking why is not going to give you access to power. Mm-hmm. Right. That that why it's like it's it's like when I teach people to say yes, 
It's like the why. Is the why going to forward you getting what you're manifesting? Screw the why. I'm profane. Yeah. Sometimes I have to make sure I watch my mouth. No, it, it, technically we are actually an explicit podcast. Typically I kind of follow the lead of my guests. So if, if it starts going really vulgar, I just drop F-bombs like crazy. <laughs> I'm very vulgar, but I usually, when I'm, I, I behave myself when I'm on somebody else. I have a podcast yeah. too. Okay. Um, when I'm on someone else's podcast, I be, I behave nicely. Yeah. But be, be careful because you just gave me permission. And I am. <laughs> exactly. Ready. That's right. Yeah, go for it. And my so very the first thing guest is, probably is that said. Is, yeah. I, I offer you this because this conversation regarding the law of attraction is one of my biggest things. It's what I teach yeah. people is how to make it work. The crisis of faith in understanding what you're manifesting coming true exactly how you want it, when you want it, how you want it, where you want it, all that stuff is immediately correlate to your willingness to give yourself over that this is a done deal. Mm. Okay. And all the doubt and all the stuff that comes up, which is natural. It's a human being phenomena. It's not a Jody phenomena. The yeah. thing you want to know is it's momentary. It's like a fart. It just comes up. Don't do nothing with it. Especially yeah. if it's in the way of what you're manifesting. I can't mm. have this. I'm too old. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too tall. You know, whatever. All that stuff is just farts. Don't air them publicly. Yeah. Hold on to it. You know how to hold on to it. There are times when you can't. I've farted in public. It's like, whoo, excuse me. But it's like most of the time you're on point. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, I mean, again, there's so much that we're under, under control. Um, we've got about 15 minutes left. Usually I don't have a hard deadline, but I've got uh, my kids have parent teacher conferences this evening. So I need to be. Uh, no worries. Finished hour mark. But what I want to spend the next 15 minutes talking about is the intersection of ammo and this idea of manifesting. So again, I've told my listeners this, so I'm really just giving you context quickly. Um, I could not figure out how to sell books. When John and his girlfriend came, I started this whole practice and I changed nothing. I didn't change my my sales page. I didn't change my ad. I didn't change anything. I just started leaning into this idea that I've already made these sales, that I, I deserve these sales. And I started making tons of sales. Like it was, it was crazy. The the first day it's six sales or five sales and then six sales and then five sales on a really limited budget. So I was like three times the return on ad spend. It was just nuts and I didn't do anything. And then um, the way that I've related it to people is that it felt kind of like Wile E. Coyote. I'm like going along and suddenly I look down and I'm standing in space. There's just this, I've ran off the cliff and I'm standing in space. When I realized what was happening, I got afraid and things kind of fell apart. I really haven't bounced back from that moment. I've been in just this kind of period of, of not knowing, but you're part of ammo. You spent the $997 or whatever the price is now to be part of ammo. You did that because you believe that Steve had something uh, within this program to help you reach more people. That's, that's a given. Um, to a person listening and a doubter, someone's going to be like, well, if you can just manifest, why pay, why pay somebody, you know, a thousand dollars to be part of a, a marketing program? Why, why spend money on Facebook ads? Why not just believe that you've already made the book sales and just bam, they'll sell, you know, wherever. So um, I have a best-selling book on Amazon, Say Yes, Seven Steps to the Life of Your Dreams. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting because when I saw the advertisement on average on Facebook about ammo the program yeah. everything he said was accurate i'm not killing it on amazon with that book even though it went to when i launched it back in 2020 um it went to bestseller in two hours after wow. i launched it and it was very popular and it got the attention of 
um, this reality TV show on Apple Plus and they brought me in and they interviewed me and I had an episode on there. It was like unbelievably, I got made a bunch of money. It was great, but he was right. It's not like killer diller, knock you over the moon, the hills are alive with the sound. You know, it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not like that. It's just like trickle, 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 trickle. You know, yeah. and I now have two books and an ebook on Amazon. He's absolutely right. There's only so much you can do on Amazon yeah. to push your books. So I created a, a landing page on my own. And I started selling my book directly to people. And that trickle, trickle, trickle. So why I came to Ammo is because it occurred to me that he might know something I don't. And that's an action correlate with what I'm manifesting. Yeah, exactly. You know, so especially everything he said resonated because I have a best-selling book on Amazon. He's absolutely right. It's not killing it. It's not crushing it. I get money every month from that book because it is a bestseller and people are talking about it. Instagram, you know, people are talking about it, but I'm not killing it. I'm not crushing it. Right. And I want to crush it. And the action court with that is to go to somebody who is crushing it and recreate his actions. And so that's what I took on. And the thing is, is I signed up for this program in October of last year. And then in Mm. November, I died. And so what it took me like eight months to fully recover. And then I'm looking around and because I paid for it, I put a down payment and didn't do anything else. They canceled me. Oh, really? So I got in touch with them, the powers of be over there. And I I explained my situation. I said, please allow me to continue. At first they pushed back because like it's, you know, for 10 months, we didn't hear from you. Now you're here and, you know. You're going to have to work this. This is something you have to work. And I agree with that. And I told him, give me the opportunity to work and I'll show you how I can Mm. work. Dealing with a health issue. Mm -hmm. And what I said to them, which is what had them go, okay, is I said, you can either take me in and I turn out to be a bust or you can take me in and you part of the reason why I make it. And another testimony for your program. And they're like, okay. And they brought me back in. So I have just begun the program, even though I signed up for it last year, mm. I just began it in, you know, the month of October. Yeah, you are. You're absolutely not. Uh, that That's not an uncommon story, even if people didn't have any kind of crisis that prevented them from starting. Uh, I know people who have paid to join the program and just sit on it and sit on it and sit on it. Um, one of the first guys that I interviewed from Animo, uh, Gordon Carroll, he bought it and sat on it for, I think, about the same eight months or so. And he's like, the one regret I have is waiting so long to start it. You know, yeah. he is doing really, really well with his books through through Ammo. And the program's amazing. Uh, 10 minutes to go. Talk to me about the nonfiction program. So I'll be completely transparent. Um, The nonfiction part of the program is a little bit newer. uh, And so I don't actually know how Steve has designed it and what's different. So if you can just talk to me uh, for anybody listening, who's, who's writing nonfiction, what are the, what are the, I guess, pillars of the program on the nonfiction side to just talk to me about how it works and, and um, for you. Well, I do write nonfiction and fiction. And I went into the nonfiction because I already have a nonfiction. So it's easy for me to crank out this work that I do. Like you and I have just spent the last 45 minutes talking about my process. I can make a book out of our conversation. Yeah. Like my dinner with Andre kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So for me, I'm just getting started the biggest breakthrough was the the things that he taught about what you need to market your book 
and how you need to think about how you market your book, which is not something I ever considered when I was doing it before. Everything I was doing was from the seat of my pants. Yeah. And he did a step-by-step walkthrough of, of, okay, this is how you set it up on Facebook. This is how you do the pixels. And this is, you got to go get this program so mm-hmm. you can track this. And all that stuff was, I, I did not know. Yeah. So those actions are correlated with what I'm manifesting is finding out, because I don't have a lot of money to go hire some firm to do all this for me. Mm-hmm. He's teaching me how to do it. And he's being very thorough in breaking it all down into little chunks and pieces and even has templates for you to think about what you want to say. My nonfiction topic is the science of yes. And I tell people that you can use it to address any area of your life. And I can write a book about each area of life, your finances, your relationships, your home environment, your, you know, your community involvement. Each of those is a book. So that's why I took on the nonfiction because I want to know it's not enough for me to say to you, hey, I can write you a book about how to get your home, you know, mm-hmm. in Feng Shui pristine, you know, condition. It's yeah. one thing for me to say that. It's another thing for you to go, okay, yeah, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. I need to know how to sell it in order to, you know, market it and sell it. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'm learning from Steve again. Yeah. Just beginning, even though I sat on it, I right. even forgot actually that I had that program until I got the message that it was canceled. Mm. I forgot. I my focus was on recuperating and getting well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. the nonfiction part of it, I, I don't know because I went with the nonfiction because I do write fiction, but I write screenplays. I don't write yeah. books. So, so I chose nonfiction. One, one of the differences, I, I know that there are differences in the way that this happens, but for example, with the fiction side of the program, uh, Steve encourages you to have, you know, three or four books to do an offer. He basically says with with fewer than three books, you just can't be profitable because you can't sell it for enough to make the the economics work out. But so a lot of us are coming in with uh, book series. So I sell a four book package right now uh, for $14.99. And, you know, that that always is flirting with being profitable or not profitable. But I know with nonfiction, it's not the same. You don't typically, not always, but you don't typically write book series for nonfiction. So I know that he's doing functionally some different stuff with you're doing a one book offers, my guess. And my guess is, like I said, I don't know the nonfiction program. So I'm kind of leaning into you to know what the differences are. But um, you have a lead magnet maybe that you use to get those email addresses and then you upsell them with the book is my guess. Yes. Um, and then is there also then another piece of the funnel where you have services that you offer or a course that you offer or anything like that? Or yes. what kind of things are built into it? So I do. I I have an ebook that I wrote, Transforming Your, Your Mindset Around Money. And I give that for free to get people okay. to come talk to me. Now, we, you and I have had a, this conversation. Now you get a sense of my my process and you might be intrigued and want to hear more. That's when I, you know, offer them the book, the book, seven steps to the life of your dreams. Each of those steps is an area of your life that I tackle with the law of attraction. I call it the science of yes. And I tell you how you can take your house and make it, you know, feng shui. You can, you can go to your job and make it a place that you want to go to every day. I take each of those areas, each one of those, I have a program where I train and teach. I have a workshop. You know, so you can either sign up for my workshop or just buy the book. I am planning on writing a book for each of those areas of life and selling it as a, you can either buy all seven 
or you can buy one. Let's say that you want to know about the money. Okay, just buy mm -hmm. the money. One. Yeah. You know, I have a money course. I have a cash flow challenge where I tell people, spend 30 days with me and you'll make twice as much money as you make right now at the end of the month. And that's a really powerful program that I teach. Yeah. So those are the things that I do. I wasn't thinking about doing a series until I started taking on the ammo program. And now mm -hmm. I, I can see that I can box up what mm -hmm. I know and make it a series because that's what he's presenting the, the nonfiction encourages series too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've never done it that way. I have two books right now. One is spiritual and um, one is seven steps to the life of your dream, the say yes book. Yeah. And I have the ebook transform your money mindset. Mm. Yeah. I, I, what, what has always been the, the thing that has made me love this program that made me want to do a podcast for it. And um, so I had my own podcast before uh, Steve and I partnered up on doing the ammo podcast. And uh, I just, when I saw what he was doing, there's nothing else like it anywhere else. And it just, it blows me away all the time. Um, I've seen self-publishing formula and self-publishing school and, uh, so many other people telling you that they'll teach you how to sell books. And really all they do is just pump you full of steam and make you feel excited, but they don't have any kind of step-by-step -step granular process of do this, 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 and this. And then it really comes down to the odds are in your favor. You're going to sell books when you put yourself yeah. in this position, because you've taken all of these very logical, repeatable steps. And it's, it's kind of amazing to, to see what he's created. And, um, it is. So I always, yeah, always hope that, that people, um, take the opportunity to really take this seriously. It's not for everybody, but it is for just about anybody who uh, has uh, enough books or a nonfiction book where there's, you know, that value is built in because you're going to turn on a fire hose toward, toward your, you know, your awareness. Yeah, and, absolutely. and that's really cool. That's so, why I signed up. Um, this whole episode has really been uh, kind of about you and what you offer, but tell people where they can find you, how they can connect with you and uh, what the first step they should take in getting to know you would be. I would recommend going to my website, which is um, yescoachforyou.com. That's yes, coach, the number four, the letter u.com. When you go to my website, you can um, request a free copy of my ebook, Transform Your Money Mindset. And when you get awesome. that, you read that, you then decide if you want to work with me. And I believe in taking people on a path to the life or business of their dream. And I can help you fulfill on like your GPS. I call myself Yes GPS. Awesome. That's really great. Love this conversation. Um, the the uh, coincidence of it is really funny to me. And I'll, I'll be thinking on it uh, throughout the rest of the evening. And until this episode airs, thank you for signing up. Really excited that we met Pam. And uh, I wish you all the success with ammo. Take care and be well. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? <laughs>